So our special guest today is Mark Allen Gunnels. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark, and how you got started writing? Well, I, I'm a, a horror and suspense writer. I live in the uh, south of the United States, um, almost 50 years old now, and I've been in love with horror since, oh, as far as I can remember, the first one of my first memories is of watching the original Salem's Lot miniseries with my family when it originally aired. So yeah. I would have been about five. Um, and I fell in love with horror movies first, but soon after that, I fell in love with books. And that became my real passion. And pretty much from the time I realized that books weren't things that just came into existence on their own, but people just thought them up and wrote them down. I wanted to do that too. Um, yeah. So I started writing my first stories when I was maybe 10. I mean, they, they weren't good, but, um, yeah. but I, I, I already had that love for it. So what drew you to the horror genre specifically? You know, if I had to guess, because I mean, it started early. Um, I would say it's because, because I was exposed so young to them. Those horror got a reaction out of me like nothing else did. I mean, I watched a lot of different kinds of movies when I was young because I, I come from a family where there were really no restrictions in what I watched. Yeah. But nothing made an impact on me like horror. Nothing got that kind of reaction and stayed with me. Um, so I think I, I just felt like there's power in that kind of storytelling. Yeah. So how do you get an idea? So how do you develop that idea? I mean, ideas really can come from almost anywhere. Um, I can get ideas from news stories. I can get ideas from a conversation I overhear in a restaurant. I have gotten a lot of ideas just visiting places, going on trips with my husband, or just walking around town. Um, I have a novella that is based on an event that happened not to me, but to someone else when I was in high school. But, you know, I was 40 something before that memory triggered an idea for a story. Um, yeah. It's like it was just in there waiting. So I kind of find like, I kind of feel like ideas are everywhere out there. Then the tricky part is taking that idea and like sitting down with it and seeing, yes, this is a cool idea, but does it have the legs to sustain an actual narrative? Yeah. So how do you sort of like um, create your characters for the horror stories? Do you base those on people that you know? Um, you know, it kind of depends on the story. I definitely have characters that are based on people I know. Mostly characters may be based on a lot of people I know. Like one character may have aspects from various people I've met and myself. Um, but once I really get into the writing of it, I find that the characters, even if they were influenced by real people, really become their own entity. Um, they develop their own personalities and their own quirks and their own ways of reacting to things. And creating the characters is probably my favorite part. And I find that that is what kind of leads the narrative. 
because I start usually with a concept and then I work on creating the characters and then those characters dictate where that narrative goes based on how they would react to the situations I've put them in. Yeah. So do you sort of like when you write in a, a story, is there any particular themes or message that you often find end up in your in your books? Um, I, I write a, a diverse amount of stuff. I, I mean, I even write stuff outside the horror genre, but even in the horror genre, I write, you know, supernatural, psychological, suspenseful, slasher, all that sort of stuff. If there's any theme that shows up in my work, I I do feel that my work always has a very strong queer aesthetic and point of view um, because I'm, yeah. I'm a queer person myself. And I, I grew up longing to see myself represented in the genre I loved. And when I was coming of age, you really couldn't. Um, so I definitely work I mean, I don't even work at it. It just sort of comes naturally. But I definitely yeah. have that queer flavor in my work. Um, I'm basically writing the kind of stuff I wanted to find when I was younger and couldn't. It's mm. right, because you never used to be able to find things like that, could you, when, uh, when we were younger? Because I'm roughly around the same age. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's changing a lot, especially in the small press. Um, I feel like mainstream horror still isn't quite there but in the small press there are a lot of queer creators who are creating some exciting content and i i'm happy to be part of that fantastic so how do you decide on the settings of your stories i'm the kind of writer where i tend to set my stories in the places i'm familiar with so the, most of my stories do play, take place in the American South, in South Carolina, where I live. Um, I, I've written a few things that take place in Savannah, Georgia, just because it's one of my favorite places to visit. Um, but I typically do set my stuff around here because, one, I'm very familiar with it. And two, I find that a small town setting really works well for the kind of horror that I do. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy reading like big city urban kind of horror. But for me, I like the small town setting, probably because, you know, that's that's the life I've always known. And therefore, that's where a lot of my ideas come from. Yeah. I mean, the small town setting in horrors is quite scary, isn't it? I mean, a lot yeah. of films are based on that and they, they do make them quite scary. Yeah. And, you know, not to get too like, crazy psychological on it but you know growing up queer in the south small town in the 80s there was a lot <laughs> to be nervous and scared about and that yeah. kind of feeds into some of it too but at the same okay. time i also like to show that in this day and age certainly not everywhere here in the south but i have found places even here in the south that are very progressive and very forward-thinking and I like to show that part of the South, too, that doesn't always kind of get acknowledged. Yeah, that's right. I mean, times are changing and people need to move with the change, don't they, really, rather than stick in the past. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so 
what's been the most difficultest part of a scene that you've ever had to write and why was it challenging? Well, I find that um, one of my, I guess I wouldn't say the hardest part, but it's the part that I get the most nervous when I know what's coming up are really intricate um, action scenes. So like if there's an actual fight or um, a chase scene, because I want it to be exciting and I want it to be so that the reader can imagine it without getting, I worry with fight scenes that I can get so caught up in describing where he puts his hand and when he swings, but it becomes almost like an academic exercise. And <laughs> I'm just like trying to explain the choreography of the fight and I'm losing the actual intensity of it. Um, I do find once I get into it, it, you know, it's not as, it's not as bad as I was worried about, but those are the ones I'm always the most, um, I'm the most concerned about leading up to them because I do want it to be exciting and intense um, without me getting too caught up in, in like the, the dance of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So come on then, Mark, are you a plotter or a pantser? Oh, I'm definitely a pantser. Um, not that I've never plotted a book, but it's not, it's not the natural way for me. Um, I like to sort of get it started and then just see where it goes. I often say that for me, writing is as much an act of discovery as it is creation. Um, and even if I think I've plotted something out, like I said, maybe the way I've created the characters, I'll get to a certain point and the character's. It, it wouldn't make sense for them to do what I plan for them to do based on the personalities they've developed. Yeah. So in those cases, I'll follow them. I'll let them lead me and I'll change my plan for the story. Um, and that can be for me, one of the most exciting parts. Yeah. Fantastic. So have you ever based a story on an experience that you've had or one of your own fears? Um, I have put some of my own fears in there. I have a, um, I have a real phobia for, of water, large bodies of water. Um, and I've definitely explored that in some of my fiction. Um, I have probably one of my deepest fears is losing my husband, like the idea, not that I dwell on it, but the idea that, you know, if he were to pass away. So I have a lot of stories that sort of have that grief motif of that because it is something that I, I fear. Um, and then I, I, like I said, I'll, I'll take my experiences, other people's experiences, um, anything that seems like it has the kernel to really create a sense of dread and suspense um but yeah i'll mind my own life my own fears but you know I i'll steal from anybody else too like i always tell people <laughs> if you know me just know something you tell me may end up creating a story someday <laughs> and how do people feel about that um most of i mean I am friends with a lot of creative people, so I think they understand that. Most of them are pretty good with it. Um, I have had some people who in the past were a little like, oh, so you took my 
traumatic event and turned it into a story. But, you know, it's not, I'm not telling their story. It's just that was the jumping off point. And I think most people sort of understand that. Brilliant. Okay, so what's been your most popular book and why do you think the readers have liked it so much? Um, you know, I feel like one of my most popular books is one of my oldest, um, and it was a, a zombie novella I wrote called Asylum. And it it came out, God, I don't, it was well over a decade ago now, but it it's a zombie novella that I kind of describe as Night of the Living Dead, but set in a, a gay club instead of a farmhouse. And I think what people liked about that was at the time, I was taking a familiar theme and peopling it with characters that they weren't used to seeing in that kind of story. Um, and like, at least that's what I heard. And and that has been one of my most popular books. And I, I also had a short story collection called Flowers in a Dumpster that did pretty well for me. Um, and I just think that um, that publisher, they really promoted that book hard. Um, yeah. And, you know, some publishers are kind of iffy about short story collections. And I feel like then they don't push them as hard and it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But this publisher pushed it as hard as they would any novel they put out. And I, I think that really helped. Plus, it, it did. I did manage to have a blurb from Clive Barker on that cover. So that probably didn't hurt either. Brilliant. So have you got any memorable pieces of feedback that you can share with us? Um, you know, the reason I had a blurb by Clive Barker on that collection is because one of the stories in it was entered in a contest, um, where you would write a story based on a Clive Barker painting and then he would, he was the judge of the contest. Um, I did not win, but I did come in as the runner up and he gave me a, he wrote like a blurb for that story, which is what we used on the cover. That was very exciting for me because Clive Barker is sort of um, a big inspiration to me as a horror writer and a, and a gay man. Um, so that was very exciting. Um, I also, there's a, um, a writer named John R. Little. And he, before I had ever met him, I had never even interacted with him online. But he had some very lovely things to say about my very first collection, Tales from the Midnight Shift. And that was one of the first times a writer I didn't know was online saying really nice things about my work. And um, I'm all, I, I always have a very special feeling about that. Yeah. That's uh, amazing feedback, really, isn't it? From both of them. Yeah, yeah, I was very pleased. I would be too. <laughs> so what advice would you have for aspiring writers who want to break into the horror genre? Um, I, one of my bits of advice that I always give is do what you're passionate about. Don't do what you think is going to sell. Don't do what you think is going to be the next big thing. Um, because that's those kind of trends can come and go very fast. And by the time you're finished with your book, that trend may have moved on. Um, so, and as a reader, I always feel like I can tell when a writer was passionate about what they were writing or when they were just 
trying to catch a wave. Um, and I feel like the best writing is the writing that you love. So write what makes you happy. Write what makes you excited to get up and go to the computer and start writing. And then once you have a finished product, the, the great thing right now is there are a lot of small presses and a lot of these small presses, some of them specialize on certain kinds of horror. So there's a lot of choices. Do your research, find out who's publishing the kind of thing you've written and try to find a publisher and an editor who really gets it. Um, you know, because there's going to be rejection. You're going to run into those who don't get what you're doing, who don't see the value in it. That doesn't mean there is no value in it. It's all very subjective. So just keep going until you find the person who says, I see what you're doing here and I get it. Um, who's as excited about the story as you are. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? Most people give up because of the rejection. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stubborn, but if I really believe in a piece I wrote, I, I can I'll just I'll die on that hill. Like I can get so many rejections and I still say, I like this. I mean, you know, not that I think everything I write is golden. And sometimes I get rejections or criticisms where I'm like, I can see that and I can make adjustments to this. But if I really believe in something, it's like no one can convince me I shouldn't. Um and I feel like you need to get that kind of thick skin. You need to be a fan of your own work. I think sometimes writers feel like they shouldn't admit <laughs> that they are fans of their own work, but I'm writing the kind of books that I would want to read. So I am a fan of my own work and yeah. therefore I, I put my heart and soul into it and I just have fun with it and I'm proud of it. I agree. Um, you have to be proud of what you're putting out there. I mean, we are, as authors, we are our worst critic. Yeah. And we do pick we do pick at everything that we do, and it, we do need to stop being like that and just, once we've done a piece, be happy and proud of it rather than keep wanting to change things. Yeah, because, I mean, that that is a road you can go down forever. I mean, you know, everything can use some fine tuning and some revision and some polishing. But I mean, there are writers who may be great writers who never get anything published because they never feel like it's done. Um, and I mean, you can you can go down that road, like I said, forever. But at some point, you need to look at it and say, this is ready. <laughs> this is ready for me to send out into the yeah. world. So have you got any exciting projects that you're currently working on? Um, well, I just put out a new collection with Slashic Horror Press, uh, which I'm very excited about because they are a queer-focused publisher. Um, and I always say when it comes to diversity in the horror field, we really make strides when we have queer people who are working as the publishers and the editors. And so I was so excited to get to work with them and they put out my collection haunted places and other stories and yeah. i'm just i'm very excited because i think it's a collection of some of my strongest pieces and they all have a a strong queer aesthetic as i said but they also i think work very well as horror and suspense stories and i i've been very very happy to be working with them so 
that's my my newest release that I'm really pushing because I'm I'm very proud of that collection. And yeah. um and I'm currently working on a I don't have release dates yet, but I have one other collection coming out with a a publisher um, called. Uh, I'm sorry, I it's Unnerving Press. I don't know if you're familiar with them, um, but they put out some pretty cool stuff, and they're going to do a collection with me that I describe as kind of Bradbury esque. Um, not comparing myself with Bradbury, but. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about that. And I have a, a, a novella called uh, Social Media Life that will also be coming out. Both of these will probably be next year. But like I said, we don't have specific release dates pinned down yet. So I'm excited about those. And I'm, I'm working on a very personal non-horror novel right now um, that I, I don't know what I'll do with it when I'm done. Um, but it's it's it means a lot to me and I, I'm really enjoying working on it. Brilliant. Well, I wish you the best of luck with all of those projects. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So where can we find your books, Mark? Uh, pretty much everything I have is on Amazon. Um, also um, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, and I am very active on some social media platforms. I'm on Facebook and Twitter or X or whatever it's currently called. I also just joined Blue Sky and I'm on Instagram as Make Reading Cool Again. Um, and I'm always, you know, I'm always pimping my books on there, but I'm also always pimping the books by other people that I love because I, I'm a big cheerleader for for writers. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Mark. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. I had a good time. You're very welcome. Have I got all of your links? I have a, a blog that I update semi-regularly, markgunnels.livejournal.com. And um, you can find me there on Facebook, Mark Allen Gunnels, and uh, Twitter at Mark A. Gunnels.